Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This podcast series explores HR hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life HR learning and OD professionals. The HR Uprising is about learning through collaboration and evidence-based action. We want colleagues to have the confidence and skills to rise up through their organizations by delivering real, lasting business value. Now, introducing your host, chartered psychologist, experienced change agent, entrepreneur, speaker, and coach, Lucinda Carney. Hello, and welcome to our first HR Uprising podcast. The HR Uprising is aimed at forward-thinking HR, learning, and OD professionals who want to elevate the way that HR is perceived in their organisations by delivering real lasting value. So hopefully that's someone like you, but if there are other people from other professions listening, you're very welcome and I hope it will also be of interest to you. Now more about the HR uprising. What are we all about? Well, it's for professionals who want to stand up and make a difference. We believe in learning through collaboration. We believe in evidence-based action and helping each other to have the confidence to rise up in their careers. We know that actually, even though L&D might be within our job title, we don't always have time to prioritise our own development. So I'm hoping that having useful information as a podcast, as per this series, will be a flexible and digestible way of freshening up your thinking. Certainly, it's something that I find that I can learn from. I incorporate it into my daily routine, walking the dog, travelling to work, and we will try to make the content as useful but also entertaining uh, and and involving. Any references or contact information that we mention in the series will be captured in the show notes so that if it is something of interest to you, you can access it. And you'll also be able to access these things through our website at thehruprising.com. So www.hruprising.com. So first of all, what sort of things are we going to talk about? Well, we've got quite an exciting set of episodes lined up over the next few weeks for you. We're covering things like demystifying OD. That's a topic that came up on my LinkedIn group the other day and people don't understand what it's all about. So we're going to demystify it for you. We're going to talk about the talent management myth and does 360 feedback actually work? We will also go into relevant specialist topics. And then later on in the series, I'm very excited about this. We'll be carrying out a number of conversations with episodes and I've got a load of fabulous HR experts and colleagues from a range of industries lined up and we're going to use those to get them to share their insights on what they think we need to do in order to rise up in our professions and how we can learn from them. So today's show is a really great place to start. As I said earlier, the topic is the five secret powers of a change superhero, but I guess it might be helpful if I briefly introduce myself, your host. So my name is Lucinda Carney. I'm a child psychologist, but actually I'm more a professional in HR and L&D. I have more than 15 years corporate experience as a senior HR and L&D role and a further 10 years as founder and CEO of Actus Software. I'm the lead OD consultant at Actus and it's through this role I've been so fortunate because I've worked closely with literally hundreds of businesses from the NHS, education, not-for-profit to global manufacturers and financial services firms. And this breadth of experience is what convinced me that it really was time to start the HR Uprising podcast and also community, really. There are so many ways in which we all experience the same problems across sectors. And I feel that if we could learn from each other, 
from the comforts of our own homes, cars or while exercising, then that would be something of value. So let's crack on with this week's episode, which is the five secret powers of being a change superhero. And uh, let's start talking about what they might be, because for me, I was thinking, how are we, if we're going to be lead change agents in an organisation, what skills and attributes do we need? And I do understand that some of us are less comfortable with change than others. But equally, I think it's something that we can stand up, we can develop some of these traits. And that's really what leads me into my very first superpower, because I think that that main superpower all starts with courage. We need to have courage, a bit like the lion in The Wizard of Oz, where we are ready to stand up and be counted. And you know what? Unfortunately, that might mean we have to ruffle some feathers. We need to challenge the senior stakeholders in our businesses if they're not getting on board with the change if they're not on message with it. All very often, you can get in a situation, and I've certainly been in it personally, where we've been asked to make something happen, yet some of the key resistors could well be the most senior people in the organisation. That means that we may have to personally take them on. Now, I'm not saying take them on in a battle, you know, but more subtly than that. But we need to be prepared to challenge that status quo and actually go and and have a conversation with them. So I do remember in my corporate life, I was asked to put roll through um, a, a talent change. I think it was a talent management program. And there was one particular senior board member and he was responsible for probably 30% of the organisation. And I needed him to buy into what it was. I needed his sponsorship. Otherwise, really, it wasn't going to get off the ground. And he had a habit of sort of just being quiet at the board meetings. And then it almost felt like, Uh, covertly undermining things. So I wasn't a massive fan of him as a person, if I'm honest. And that's again why I think you have to have courage. But what I did was I went and booked a one-to-one meeting with him and I talked him through what my plans were because I was going to go and present this to the board and I asked for his feedback back. And I, and I, I listened to him. At the end of the day, these are people, he would have genuine concerns. He may have perceptions about me or what it was that we were doing. So I understood his concerns. I also explained why I'd been asked to do it and what the benefits of it were. And I took some feedback from him. I remember distinctly, actually, because I had an image on a page which was explaining what this strategy was. And he said, well, if you turn those arrows round. So literally, he just asked me to change the direction of one of the arrows. And that's all it took for him to get on board. So it was almost like he didn't have any real objections, but I needed to sit down on a personal level with him to get that commitment for him not to undermine the project. If I'm honest, I wouldn't say he was ever a champion, but it was about stopping him from blocking it. So you have to have courage and you have to take people on on a personal level. And that might also be another experience that I've had where I've required courage is where we've been involved in, say, a change programme where someone's invested in some development. And then this particular occasion, I remember a CEO attending some training and then saying, well, I'm not going to do that or that will never work. Well, classic, actually. You do wonder why on earth do they invest in these things in the first place if they're going to say that? And I suppose, again, you know, these people are people. What I have found since then, a really great way of avoiding that from happening because it's damage limitation once that's out of their mouth, is getting um, to term, you know, getting to meet these people up front 
and actually agreeing what being on message is. And I'm not saying people shouldn't be real, but actually if they are sponsoring a change, then actually agreeing with them and spelling it out, what sort of behaviours and language they should be saying uh, when getting involved in training so that they appear to be supportive and actually giving them chance. Because remember, we need to uh, get everybody on board with a change and actually senior managers and directors are just as likely to have natural emotional reactions to change as anybody else, uh, yet they're expected to just be on board with it. So I have found that it takes courage. You do need to stand up and you actually need to almost contract with people on a a one-on-one basis if a change is important enough to make sure that you get that sponsorship that is so important in making things work. So there's quite a lot to talk about when we think about having courage as being a change superhero. And actually the superhero analogy really works with this one. And I have one final example here. And I take this from, if any of you have come from The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, which are really uh, one of the best-selling business books ever. And I was lucky enough to train on this for a number of years. And there was one video on this and it was called the video Stone. And he was identified by Covey as being someone called a transition figure. And being a transition figure is basically somebody who stops the uh, continuation of negativity by actually acting out of kilter with the culture. So an example might be in the real world where um, people are are bitching about somebody or they're talking about someone behind their back. and, And actually, you almost feel because you're part of that group, like you need to join in and agree with them. Well, a transition figure is somebody who they don't have to cause conflict and say you're wrong or I disagree with you, but they do not continue it. They actually say I'm not comfortable with this conversation or actually I, I hold a different view or I'd rather not discuss this. So transition figures, they they stop the continuation of negativity and that requires courage because it's a bit like whistleblowers or something like that. You have to stand stand away from the culture and that is also something When you're trying to deliver change, often it does require culture change, and that might mean you have to personally be very aware of how you behave in order to deliver it. And sorry, I mentioned Stone. So the story of Stone is he was actually a Ugandan football player, let's say 20 odd years ago, and he there's a lot of poverty where he was, there was a lot of violence where he was, and actually being a football player was a way in which you could escape from all of that. It was your ticket to freedom. And he was an aspiring football player and he was very, very good. But one day someone struck him down from behind and he suffered knee injuries that he was never going to play again. And many people would have considered that that's something where that was a sort of uh, trigger that culturally would have resulted in lots of gang violence where he would have turned around because this this wasn't an accident. He was struck down intentionally by somebody because he was a competitor but actually what Stone did was he stood up and went, OK, you did what you had to do. And he then threw himself into teaching other uh, other boys to be football players. And through that, and, and it wasn't just play football, it was also he was teaching them to act in a way which was kind, which wasn't aggressive. He led from how he would act uh, within the community. So he, he stood apart from what was quite a violent culture and acted differently. And through that... If you imagine your ripple effect, which is so powerful as a change agent, his influence grew and it spread beyond his village. It spread to the other teams they were playing against. And actually, I always thought it was amazing that I was sitting in the UK listening to this story. It was actually influencing people all over the world who would have known it. So 
So it's the power of being a transition figure requires huge amounts of courage and integrity, but actually the, you know, the ripple effects can be huge. So that's enough on courage. And I think that's made a number of points there about have we got the courage and how we might bring that to life. My second superpower in terms of change is about connecting, but not connecting with people, because I'll talk about that later. It's about connecting with strategy. If we are going to be a change superhero, we must inspire people to want to change. It is important sometimes, sometimes people have to change, but it's ideally we want them to see why there is a need to change. I talk a lot about the why. If we are trying to create a a reason for change, uh, whether it's behavioural or we want people to uh, make a business case for something, often we forget to tell people why. And the why needs to be about looking up. This is the HR uprising. I'm very much about looking up and being strategic. And all we're saying by being strategic is looking at where the business wants to go or needs to go. So it could be that actually if the business carries along a certain trajectory with a certain set of skills, then in five years time, they won't have a business. So it's helping people see the future or to see the requirements of a strategy. Many of you will have come across this analogy in change about the burning platform. So it's really about not just creating a negativity about where we are currently. We can't stay as we are. It is about creating an urgency. Uh, So actually, it isn't an option for us to do nothing because in five years time, we won't have jobs in this area. Therefore, we need to reskill. But actually, it's about inspiring people as to why that future could be so much more exciting to do that. And that links to how we communicate it. So for me, connecting with strategy is about inspiring people to look to the future, helping them think about the future and the why in terms of what's relevant to them. So the golden thread, we often talk about that in setting objectives, making sure in terms of knowing what we're doing, making those connections between the next steps and where we're going. Because sometimes people don't like those next steps, but they'll do them if the overall vision is taking them on the journey. You think about... It is goal setting in many ways. If you think about doing things you don't want to do, I don't necessarily want to go to the gym or you know not have that cake. But if my bigger vision as to why I'm going to make that change in my diet is that I want to look good on the beach, then that's going to be more motivational to me. So for us to be a change agent, we need to understand what our drivers for the people that are involved in the change and connect it to the future and to strategy. My third superpower of a change superhero is corroboration. Now you might say I'm I'm working the C's a bit hard on this one, but I think it works. You let me know if you don't agree. But corroboration, this links to us being evidence-based. We know that often we are criticised as a profession for not being factual enough or well, and strategic enough. There's lots of criticisms levelled at us. But corroboration, this is about not just aspiring people, this is about influencing people through logical argument, through facts and figures. It might be data, case studies, um, information from third parties or professional bodies that are relevant to your audience. Notice again, it's about understanding your audience and making things relevant. So you might tell people that we need to change in a certain way because there's a change in the law. So we work with the financial services at the moment and actually there's a a change coming where people are going to have to do things differently. They have no choice because the FCA are demanding it and there are consequences of not. Now, 
This actually works in tandem with our previous point because this is almost creating your burning platform as to why there's no option to stay. Do nothing is not an option if we corroborate it with facts and figures. But that's why you don't just want compliance. Uh, to me, one of the worst things is you get changed through compliance because as soon as a circumstance changes, people will go back to what they were doing before. It's about logical argument for a change. So it might be that we explain why things change or need to change because of a third party or a case study or example, like a business authority might have done a study, uh, Forbes, McKinsey, or an academic, uh, Cotter, we've all heard of the Cotter change curve. It's about thinking about the corroboration that's going to be appropriate to your audience and having some data and examples. So those would be examples of external corroboration. You could also have case studies. You could take a case study of, uh, if you're an NHS trust, of a different NHS trust that have tried to do something in a certain way and had a really good result. Equally, you might look at a competitor who's changed their approach to recruitment and had a good result, where that might motivate change in a different way. So as opposed to emulating good practice in and someone that you're not in competition with or actually reducing risk with someone that you are in competition with. The other way of corroboration is we do need to make sure we have facts and figures to be able to do that. So it could be understanding that our current attrition rate within the organisation or our cost of hire or agency spend is at X and what we need to do is change it to Y or compared to the national average, we are 20% higher or lower, then all of those provide evidence, logical evidence for a change, which is influencing people to move forwards. So you can see we've looked at three areas. First of all, it's courage. Then we've looked at connecting, but connecting with strategy, which is really about inspiring people to change. And this is about corroboration, which is about logically explaining to people why you should change. And lots of people say that change is about stories and it can be stories. Not everyone's a great storyteller, but I think if you combine the two together, it doesn't have to be uh, just made up stories, if you like. It can just be examples and, and thinking about those in those terms, both future and against would work. We know that our profession is often accused of lacking strategic thinking or business focus. So if we are good at corroboration through data, that's a great way of knocking that judgment firmly on the head. We need to be able to be considered rational and business focused, and therefore we're more convincing when we're communicating the need for change. Our fourth superpower is about communication. And this is about more than telling people to change. And I'm sure it's no surprise that we have communication as one of our superpowers. Now, many of you would have come across the Cotter eight-step model of change. And one of the things with me that I think is quite interesting in this is that I've studied, because I've run this as a training course, I've literally seen hundreds of examples of change uh, in various businesses. And I've also seen probably 70 or 80% of why they failed. Maybe that's why people remember them. But obviously, that isn't far off the statistics that are out there about why change fails. And if you are familiar with this Cotter model, then you'll know that it's also links to Lewin's um, thinking on unfreeze, freeze and refreezing around organisational change. And in my experience, it's at those transition points that the change seemed to break down most frequently when you were trying to unfreeze. And at the start of it, unfreezing is about communicating to people that change needed to come. Now, in my experience, 
quite often communication about something changing would go out maybe from the top, possibly once or twice, maybe in a couple of different formats, and then they'd just wait for people to change. No one was nudged around. There were no consequences of not changing. People didn't necessarily know why. They weren't listened to. And there was no surprise, really. Telling someone to change is not the same as helping someone to change or getting someone to buy into it. So this is about realising that communication alone won't make change happen and also that communication is two-way. In terms of helping people to change is we need to understand that not all change is going to be received positively by people and there are natural human emotions and we talk about this on a different podcast that people do go through when they go through change and we need to be prepared to communicate and that might mean listening to people as to where they are going through that change empathize it might be and then literally support them going on that journey and that is about communicating and it's the same principles again it would be about matching the language or understanding what's what's appropriate or most relevant to that person it might be just about listening to them and empathizing when they are reacting to the change and it might be about us just communicating that actually unfortunately the change and not all change is negative unfortunately the change is here to stay but you're going to help them through it. So it's about us being aware that people require ongoing communication to go through change. And the other place in terms of the Cotter model, again, is that when people often they think they've made most of the change, the communication can stop. And Cotter suggests that you should communicate short wins or, or quick wins, almost celebrate what has happened in order to help the organisation refreeze in the new way. All too often, that's the other place that change doesn't happen. It's almost what's more likely to happen is a new business change is introduced at that very point. And the unfortunate thing there is if you bring in additional changes too quickly before the other one has been consolidated, then you may well find that performance goes down rather than up. So communication is key in terms of taking people around. I'm I'm just gesturing at a curve here. I don't know if you can hear that in my voice, but by taking people through the change curve, You need to make sure you're communicating appropriately at both points. And the key for me is the communication needs to be in a range of formats, in a range of media. It needs to be two ways. So you're listening to people too and and addressing their concerns. And it needs to be ongoing. That communication needs to continue through the change. On to my final superpower. And that is collaboration. So change agents are great at collaboration. They're about starting a movement. Anyone seen that TED talk by Derek Silvers, How to Start a Movement? Really worth Googling. I'll put the link in the show notes. He talks about the vital importance of the first follower because actually there's no such thing as a movement until you get a first follower and that snowballs into the third and fourth and that's how you get a movement or maybe an uprising. So the talk explains that actually that is one of the most vital roles to take on. And I'm saying that actually, if we're going to be changed superheroes, we don't always have to be the lead person. We might actually be the first follower because they are possibly even more courageous than that change leader. They're the one that risks looking silly and taking people with them. So I believe that's part of collaboration. It's being able to follow and lead. But equally, it's about building that ripple effect where we are talking to others, like we talked about the transition effect. effect. If we collaborate, then our powers will grow. 
but it's not about collaborating just for the purpose of a change. It's just being open, friendly, paying it forward, being positive. That's what collaboration's about. It's about having a view on how can we work with other people and take them with us. So build genuine relationships, be prepared to personally support and get behind other causes, and then they will get behind you. So I suppose, you know, that's what I believe we should be doing. We should be collaborative as people within an organisation if we're in an HR, OD or an L&D role. And we shouldn't just sit within our area. We should try and collaborate as widely as possible because if we're then involved in change, we will have strong relationships outside of HR and that's what's going to be needed in order to deliver that change. So collaboration is something we should be doing all the time. So we're drawing to the end of this episode on the five superpowers of being a superhero. To summarise, we talked about courage. We've talked about connecting with strategy. We've talked about the importance of corroborating our change with facts and figures. We've also, of course, talked about it's very important to communicate on an ongoing basis to drive through the change and then collaboration. We need to be collaborating on an ongoing basis in order to build up a group of other change agents, like-minded people. And this is about how we are naturally. So hopefully you enjoyed this first podcast and we'll tune into future ones. Next week's episode is on the pros and cons of 360 feedback. Thank you so much for listening. We would really welcome your ratings, your comments, your feedback. Uh, If you want to download further information, I did reference a few pieces within the programme, then we will put links in the show notes and you can also access them through our website, which is www.hruprising.com. My name is Lucinda Carney. Please feel free to connect via social media. So at Lucinda Carney on Twitter or message me directly, the same name, um, LinkedIn. And we've also got an HR Uprising Instagram account. So we'd love to hear from you and would really actually appreciate the interaction. So all that remains for me to say is thank you for listening. And remember, if we look up together, we rise up together. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising podcast. You can access more information, including resources or links mentioned in the show at our website, www.hruprising.com. Also, you might want to join our LinkedIn community or tweet to us at HR Uprising. We'd love to hear from you.